Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Good morning, Lake Church. God is good and greatly to be praised. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's turn to Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to get through, I'm going to read a few scriptures, then we're going to get into our board. And uh, of course, I'm not going to finish today. Uh, I will finish when I get back and we'll continue on along these lines. Does that sound okay? Amen. You sure? Five of you say okay. How many, how many okay with us extending this a little bit longer? Um, we're talking about be, being an imager of God and how humanity was meant to be an image of God himself, that he made man in his own image after his own likeness, and that the battle that we are facing in our culture today is a battle over image. It's over which image is going to prevail, the image of God or the image of the beast. The image of the beast is what Satan wants to create humanity as, wants to conform them into his image where God made us in his image. So the, the, the whole uh, <clears throat> process of the enemy is to take the image of God, mar it, uh, pervert it, and twist it to where it becomes into the image of the beast. And there will be entire generations of people that will fall for the image of the beast by taking the mark of the beast in the end times, and they will be one with the beast. There are two bodies in the earth that we identify with as humankind, in Adam and in Christ. There's only two. You know, I, we had a conversation with one of our, uh, one of our uh, family members, and they were talking about, well, I want my kids to be exposed to all the different types and ways of, of religion, you know, so that they can come to a, an awareness of what is really true. I'm here to tell you, friends, there's no other way. I wanted to say, which way are you talking about? I mean, Jesus is the only one that said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Amen? And, uh, you know, I mean, I understand where they're coming from, and, and, and I was there too as a young person. But I'm here to tell you, when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. And so we're going to be talking about the truth here today, and uh, we're going to be looking at the Scriptures, and I'm going to be going through some Scriptures on the screen and off the screen. So i got a ton of Scriptures for you today. So we'll be done about 4 o'clock. No, I'm just kidding. Amen. There was fear, I felt, in the midst. Not at all. But we're talking about the origin of man and the origin of creation because that's not talked about much. It seems as if the book of Genesis has kind of been pushed to the side. After the creation of man and the call of Abraham, you don't know much about what's going on in the book of Genesis. And we see that our higher criticism culture, even in evangelical and in theological forums, have basically discredited uh, Genesis as true history. Well, we're finding out that that is not the case at all. God is true and every man a liar. Amen? And so we've got, and, and the thing about it is, is, is that the Bible is, is written in such a way that you have to seek. 
You know, wouldn't you like to have a Bible that says um, salvation is in this chapter here and how to get filled with the Holy Spirit is in this chapter here? No, it's spread out, isn't it? It's spread out through the 66 books. You've got uh, probably over 40 authors, you know, over a, a you know, a 4,000-year period. So you've got a lot of information spread out, of, you know, spatially across, and that's because it requires a relationship. See, our, our delving into the Scripture is really getting into a relationship with Jesus because when we fellowship with the Word, we're fellowshipping with Him. Amen? I tell you this, people say, well, how long should I read my Bible before it starts making a difference? Well, you read it till it starts reading you. When it starts talking back. Amen? That's when, you, that's when you know you're getting in to the Scriptures, when it starts talking to you. When you start, it start ha- you have a dialogue. See, every time I open the book, I'm in a dialogue with the Lord. Amen? And uh, praise God, His Word begins to abide in me. Amen? Hallelujah. And that's where true freedom comes from, is when we replace... You see all of the deception and all of the false knowledge that has been propounded in our, in our life with the Word of God, which is the truth that will make us free. Amen? Okay, so, all right. Uh, you're going to not like this, but here it is. All right. Well. Okay. All right. I love technology. All right, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word created there is the word bara, and it means to create something out of absolutely nothing. That is not the case in 4 through 26. 4 through 26 is making something out of something. So we know that initially when God created the heavens and the earth, which we have stated here in Genesis 1-1, that he created something out of nothing. It was his word, amen, that brought forth the world that we see and the system that we see. And so he created the heavens and the earth. And then in verse number 2, it says, But the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, I shared with you that that word where it says, and the word earth was, is actually the word for became. The word became, the world became, you see, without form and without void. And that is the word tohu vabahu in the Hebrew. And it's used multiple times in the scripture. Let's look at a couple of scriptures that show this. Isaiah, Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45, and then we're going to be looking at the book of Jeremiah. Isaiah 45, verses 18 and 19. Verses 18 and 19. It says, For thus saith the Lord who created the heavens, he is God, who forms the earth and made it, He established it. He did not create it empty. That's that word tohu right there. He did not create it empty. So we can see that something transpired between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, or but, 
the earth was without form and void, or it became vain. It became tohu bahu. He didn't make it that way. It became that way. Amen? So we have to understand that. Now, do I believe in, in a young earth or an old earth? I do not believe in a young earth. I believe in a young recreation. I believe that the dispensation that we are in is a 6,000-year dispensation. But I do not believe, but I also do not believe that the earth is billions and billions of years old. I do not believe that either, okay? But I do believe that there was a creation, a pre-Adamite creation. And this pre-Adamite creation was overseen by someone that we're going to be introduced to and who you've been dealing with all of your life, okay? So we're going to find out who that is. Notice what it says. He did not create it empty or tohu or vain. He formed it to be what? Inhabited, okay? Now look at uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 4. Did you bring your Bibles today? All right. You ready to go through the Bible? Probably, probably will by the time we're through here. Jeremiah chapter 4. Jeremiah chapter 4, in its, uh, verse number 25, he says, I looked on the earth, and behold, it was without form and void. Tohu vahbahu. So he's talking about this instance in between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. And he says, and to the heavens, and they had no light. Remember the first thing that he said? Let there be what? Let there be light, okay? And he says, I looked on the mountains, and behold, they were quaking, and all the hills moved to and fro. I looked, and behold, there was no man, and all the birds of the air had fled. I looked and beheld, the fruitful land was a desert, and all its cities were laid in ruins before the Lord, before his fierce anger. Now notice this. It talks about cities. It talks about some form of civilization. He talks about birds and things that exist even today. He talks about that being in that time before. See, earth is God's taste. Listen to that. Earth is God's taste. That's the reason why we have unparalleled beauty in nature. It's because earth is God's taste. However, earth has been corrupted. Earth has been corrupted. So the beauty that we see in the earth is muted. It is not as beautiful as it will be when it is restored, nor is it as beautiful as what is in heaven today. Because things that are on earth are also in heaven. There are mountains in heaven. There are cities in heaven. There are streams in heaven. There is animals in heaven. Some of you that have had dogs and cats all your life, you're going to be blessed by every dog and cat that you ever know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know that to be true, but I will tell you this, that there are animals in heaven. So everything that was brought in here, earth was supposed to be a mirror of heaven. And the goal of Jesus was to merge the two. And that's the total thing. That's the reason why he brought the kingdom of heaven to earth. That's the reason why he has us pray 
that the will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, how many realize God's in total control of heaven? Now, we talked about heaven in the sense that it's the third heaven, that there is a second heaven and a first heaven, and then there's the earth realm. But we understand that God created the heavens, which is plural, and the earth. Okay, so heavens, we found out from the 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians that, uh, praise God, is working now. 2 Corinthians, that Paul was taken up to the third heaven. And he saw things that he could not utter or give any kind of uh, ability to explain because they were just so astounding to him. Amen? And he received revelation from that time in which he was taken up to the third heaven. The third heaven is in under total ownership and control of God himself. There's no coronavirus in heaven. There's no rioting in heaven. There's absolutely no crime in heaven. God's got it totally under control. Now, when we get into the second heaven, which is the realm of the angelic host and the other immortals, we need to understand that that is in war. That that is disputed territory. The third heaven is not disputed. God is in total control. But the second heaven has a war going on between the angelic realm. And we're going to show you that as we progress uh, you know, more and more into our teaching. The earth realm is under the subjugation of Satan. Okay? Through... Taking over Adam's authority. But guess what? Jesus took that authority back. And that's what's been preached here today, whether you realize it or not, is that from every message that we've had here, from Karen's exhortation to Richard's exhortation to Rebecca's exhortation, is basically coming back to the fact and the reality that man has been brought back to his rightful place of authority in Christ Jesus. Regardless of what we see or what we feel or what's going on in our lives, we have this authority given to us in Christ Jesus. And so the whole purpose of why we have the crown on the stage, why we call our teaching train, is to train you to reign in this life. Not to be postponed to the heavenly realm, but to understand that we are to take the dominion mandate and bring the kingdom of God into this earth realm through the declaring of the word and the exercising of the authority of Jesus through the power of God that is in the gospel message. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, I want to cover this because when we look at, and this is is something the Lord's been dealing with me a lot because there is just a lot of questions that people have about what's going on in the phenomenon that is around our around the earth. We need to understand that the angelic host and the, the demonic realm are in opposition to one another and that they are exposing themselves through the working of men but also through supernatural phenomenon. Amen? 
And I'm surprised at how many people, even believers that have been in church for years and years and years, seem to think that the Bible is silent on the subject of UAPs and UFOs. But the Bible teaches us that we were never alone. Absolutely, we have never been alone. Because the second chapter of Genesis tells us that when God finished the heavens and the earth, he also finished the hosts of them. And the word host means army. God created an angelic army of watchers and other immortals that would oversee the operation of the earth realm. It's not that God needs help. God joys in empowering his creation. God joys in working alongside his creation. We'll see it over and over in the scripture. And he enjoys empowering his creation to do tasks and abilities and responsibilities that he has given them. And he gave them to a group of angels known as watchers. And these watchers, if if you're a a big old comic book buff, you know, if you ever read The Silver Surfer, don't raise your hand because your nerd level will go up this high. (laughs) You will know that even Marvel Comics has a group called The Watchers. And in fact, they're in the Avengers movies in the, in, the, in the post scenes. They show that. So, you know, Stan Lee, who was Jewish, knew some of these things and used them into his, you know, his new folklore or his new mythology in the comic book realm, which is really just a retelling of the mythology of, of Herodias and Homer and all of that. It's just a retelling of that. Amen? And it's also getting generations ready for transhumanism and various different things that are coming upon the earth, which we'll talk about later, but understand that they've been prepping us for quite some time uh, from the inception of Roswell, which was the first time that we were supposed to have some kind of alien crash, which I don't think... They they know how to fly their stuff, guys. But... uh, (laughs) Anyway, so, so we, we, we need to understand that there is a, a, another realm that we cannot see. That this stuff, pinch yourself right here. This stuff mutes you. What do I mean by that? It keeps you from seeing things. See, when, when Adam was in the earth realm before... All of the dimensions of God were in one place, and they were on top of one another. When Adam transgressed, they separated. So what Adam was able to see in the garden, you and I are not able to see so clearly today. But praise God, eye hath not seen nor ear heard, but it has been revealed by the Spirit of God. So we're getting that spiritual uh, sensitivity and ability to interact with an unseen realm as we grow in Christ. Amen? The more you grow in Christ, the more sensitive you are to the unseen. See, we don't look at the scene. You can't, you can't gauge your life by the scene. We walk by faith and not by sight, not by senses. So I can't discern things 
based upon what I can feel, touch, taste, or, or see. I have to discern based upon my spirit. See, we're called to be led by our spirit. You are born of God. You've got God's spirit living on the inside of you. You've got the word of God. That's how we're led. I can't be led by my circumstances. I can't be led by what's going on in my body. I can't be led by what's going on in my bank account. I can't be led by what they're saying the job market's like. I can't be led by any of that. If I'm led by that stuff, I'm going to be limited by that stuff. But see, I'm not limited because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So I'm not limited to that. You know, they might say your marriage is over. They might say that your relationship with your kids is, 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 is never going to return. I can't go by that. I can't go by the natural. The natural is the realm of the wicked one. I'm not in that realm. I've been born of God. I am in the kingdom of the Most High. Hello. When the doctor sits down and talks with me, I, I listen to them and I'm respectful to them. But I'm here to tell you, I don't live in that realm. I just had a talk with my doctor the other day. And she looked at me and she goes, you know what? If, if, if I went by all the senses, he says, he says you're, you don't, you're not sick. And I said, I'm not sick. I said, I don't believe I am sick, ma'am. And you know what she said? You're right. (laughs) You're right. I was like, can I get that on a tape recorder or something? Because they never say anything like that. She says, and you're right. She says, well, I'm only going to need to see you uh, once every six months now, you know. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. But there were times in which their words began to paint a prison cell for me. And there are words right now that are being spoken over you even this week that are seeking to confine you. Even words you're talking to yourself. I'm here to tell you, you can't go by that. The unseen realm is far bigger and far superior than the seen realm in which we see. We've got to understand that. Amen? You think that this is something. We are just the fruit on a big tree that is countless of living organisms that God has created It isn't just angels and demons, my friends. There is a whole slew of immortals out there and and, and just incredible, you know, different categories, cherubim and seraphim and, 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 you know, living creatures, zoon, what they say in the Greek, and it just goes on and on and on. We are a part, we are a very small part, Okay. Now, people get upset about, you know, this because, listen, UFOs are not going away. And, in fact, they're going to get worse and worse because we're coming to the end. And we're coming to the great end-time deception. 
Jesus said in the 24th chapter of the book of Matthew, he says, men's hearts failing themselves for fear for what is coming. Now, notice says, what is coming upon the earth. Let me say that again. I don't think you got it. It says, men's hearts failing themselves for fear for what is coming upon the earth. There's something about to come upon the earth. And it's, you know, he, he already lists plagues. He already lists earthquakes and, uh, and natural phenomena. He already lists that. So it's something different than a tsunami, something different than it's going to be the revealing of a fallen angelic host appearing as aliens wanting to help us. Now, I believe we're gone. Because the minute we go up, they come down. Okay? Because that deception can't... Well, I'd like to say that deception can't go on with the church here. But I'm running into a lot of people that are making me think very differently about this. (laughs) They come from Zeta Reticuli. Millions of miles. No, they do not. No, they do not. Space is a very hostile place. And even, even people that are in the realm of science will tell you that it is highly improbable. And majority of people, Jacques Vallée and the various uh, aspects and scientists that have studied this phenomenon since Roswell, will have come to the conclusion that these are interdimensional beings. These are not beings from... Outer space, they are interdimensional. That means that they operate within a dimension that you and I, because we are not on the same frequency as them, cannot see. We live in a three-dimensional world. So here we go. Here's first dimension. There's the second dimension. And then we've got the third dimension. In order to see into the fourth dimension, you've got to do a right angle. And you're ne- this, this, unless I break it, unless I break one of these fingers, I'm not going to go and make it go into a right angle. See, these things that we do not see are with us. They are just in a realm that we cannot contact yet. Now, we're aware of their ability. How many have ever been aware of of a satanic influence in your home, or you can you can get a sensitivity to that. How many have felt the presence of the Lord in their lives? Amen. You can get a sensitivity to that, but unless God reveals to you through through vision or through dream or or suspends your uh, you know your senses and begins to give you a vision, you're you're not going to see these things. Right. And that's the reason why we have to be beholden. To the Word of God, because the Word of God is the glasses where we can see into the realm of the Spirit without necessarily seeing the realm of the Spirit physically. You know, I've bemoaned the Lord. I've cried before the Lord. Lord, why haven't I had a vision? You know, I've got people that, that we're training up here. And have trained up here that get visions all the time and see things. You know, Daniel sees things. And I think, man, I want to see what Daniel sees. I want to see the angels. I want to see this stuff, you know. And the Lord always gives me this scripture. Always. Every time I ask. 
Blessed are those who have not seen, but yet believed. He said, son, I've built your ministry to see it through the word and to teach people to see it through the word. Because not all of my children are going to be given that gift of discerning the spirits. But they can see it through my word. And that's the reason why I'm up here. That's the reason why we're here. Okay, so let's look at this. Oh, goodness gracious. All right, okay. All right. Praise the Lord. I've just got about a few more minutes. Let me... <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's, let, you know, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. Okay? The host. Let's, let's focus on the host because this is going to answer this phenomenon for you. Okay? So what are the hosts? Let's look at Psalm 68. Psalm 68. Are you getting anything out of this? Psalm 68 and verse number 17. Now, what are these things that are flying in the sky? What are these metallic objects? What are these things? Well, the Bible tells you what they are. Did you know that Satan is called the prince of the power of the what? Of the air. And the word air is the Greek word A-E-R, and it means the atmosphere in which surrounds the earth realm. So if anybody's going to show any kind of disturbance, it's going to be him. And he's going to use the air to deceive people. Now notice what it says in verse number 17. It says, The chariots of God are twice ten thousand thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Sinai is now in the sanctuary. Okay? Now notice that. That the Lord has chariots. Yeah, I don't. Are you awake out there? The Lord has chariots, and when He talks about ten thousand times ten thousand, He just means innumerable. Okay, so let's get this. You've got to stop thinking of the spirit realm as immaterial. You've got to stop thinking it's Casper. The spirit realm is just as material as this realm is. It's just in a different dimension. It's not made of carbon like you and I are. It's made of spirit. Spirit and carbon are two different things. They're two different medias by which God creates. God is spirit. He's not, it, it, notice this, it says, it does not say God is spirit. It says God is a spirit. Notice that, is a spirit. And that's the word Elohim. Elohim denotes the fact that God is a spirit. He is a spirit being. And a spirit creation created carbon. Created the physical realm. So that means this, that every ailment and everything that needs to be fixed on the carbon level can be fixed by the spirit. Oh, I, I hope you got a hold of that. Understand that. That Listen, the answer to physical ailments and physical situations is not necessarily... You know, I, I thank God for medicine. But there, medicine doesn't cure anything. 
It alleviates symptoms so that the body can go to a state of rest so that it can heal, regenerate itself because it was designed to do that. But I'm telling you what, the Spirit is the top form of life. So if the Spirit is the top form of life, then we have also psychological life in the sense that we operate in our soul. And then we have what is known as biological life, which is our physical bodies. So the physical life is, is superseded by spiritual life. Okay? And that's the reason why when Jesus walked the earth, he would touch carbon-based people and they would be healed. Oh, come on now. When a believer lays hands on the sick, it's not the physical, my carbon touching your carbon. It's my spirit going into your carb. Come on now. See, you've got to stop thinking that there's no materiality when it comes to the spirit. This stuff is just as real as the chair that you're sitting on. People have this mistaken notion that it's wispy, cloud-like, can't really see. No, that's tangible, you can touch it. Notice this. Jesus, after his resurrection, says, touch me, handle me. He even ate. The angels that came down with, with a pre-incarnate Jesus came to Abraham and ate with Abraham. And they looked like men. You want to know why? Because we're created in the image of God. Ezekiel seen the grand vision of God in his majestic throne, being driven by the, the, the uh, cherubim. He says, I behold someone that looks like Adam sitting upon the throne. Well, guess what? Man, we don't create God in our image. God created us in his. Amen. And so we have to understand that there are chariots. Now, this word chariot is, is, is very interesting because it just means something that transports. That's, that's what it means. So does it mean like it's been her? You know? No, it could mean anything. Oh, gosh. Remember Jesus on the Mount of Olives? And he says, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Father has set. He said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me and to Judea and, and, and Samaria and, and the uttermost parts of the world. Okay? He says that. And then it says he, was, he ascended. Okay? He ascended. Now, most people don't understand because God declares the end from the beginning that when Jesus ascended on that time, he was lifted up and carried away by a force that yeah. we can't explain. And some of us think it's just invisible. may not necessarily be because that transported him to the realm of the Ancient of Days because we see the second part of this 
happen in the book of Daniel because he shows up to the Ancient of Days and he begins to declare what he has done for humanity. Amen? So we see that Jesus was transported supernaturally. Guess what? There's coming a day when you and I will be transported supernaturally because the Lord's chariots... Oh, come on. Hello. See, let Scripture interpret Scripture. If chariots is used here, then we have to find out where it's used elsewhere in the Scripture. Well, how about 2 Kings chapter 2? How about Elijah and Elisha, or Elisha, okay? How about that? How about they go through this journey, which is symbolic of their discipleship, of their mentorship and their relationship, They cross over the Jordan River on dry ground, and immediately a chariot of fire. Now that word fire there is important because when you start looking at the angelic host and you start looking at things of the kingdom of God, they have what is known as an amber color. And that shows that they have you know, photons that are, that are emanating from the inside of them that bring about this glow, that luminescent glow. And so this chariot came and picked him up. <laughs> Talk about a ride. Mm. Okay, all right, okay. Chariots picked him up. How about, how about this? Let's, let's look at Isaiah 66. 15. Isaiah 66, 15. It says, For behold, the Lord will come in what? In fire. Notice this. And his chariots. Are you getting this? I know you're not going to hear this at other places, but I'm, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The Lord will come with fire. This is talking about his second coming. The Lord will come in fire and his chariots like a whirlwind. Is that what took Elijah out of there? Like a whirlwind? To render his anger in fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. So we can see that the chariots are involved. Second Kings chapter 2 verse number 11. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire. And horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a what? A whirlwind into heaven. Amen? Now look at 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse number 17. This is Elisha's servant. The Assyrian army has surrounded Elisha's home. And this servant is quaking in his boots. And he's saying, Elisha, they come to kill you because, you know, Elisha was getting things by the Spirit of God that were thwarting their plans, their war plans. And so they came to just take Elisha out. And so they surrounded them with thousands of armed soldiers. And Elisha's servant is quaking and he's saying, man, have you not seen out there? And Elisha's just rocking in his chair. He ain't worried about it at all. See, we've got to have that same 
attitude when it comes to the things that are coming upon the earth today. We can't be scared of them. But that you have to get an awareness that you're not alone. Steven Spielberg did not co- coin that phrase. We are not alone. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Amen. Notice this. And it says, then Elijah prayed and he said, oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. Do you believe that just was a mirage? That those things weren't real? We see over and over in the Scripture one angel killing tens of thousands of the uh, Israel's em- enemies. One angel. Do you think God was serious about protecting His people? Yeah. He went overboard. Because only one angel could have took care of that whole thing. Now take that and think of that in regards to your life. And know that he has got you covered. You are not alone. You may be sitting in that doctor's office thinking you're absolutely alone. That it's, you're utterly forsaken. And I've been there. But know that what was true of Elisha is even more true of you today. You not only have the emissaries and help from the sanctuary around you, you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. They did not have that. Amen? Okay? So, we need to understand this if we're going to understand what's going on in the world today. Because the second heaven, as I told you, is in contention. There is rebellion in the second heaven. And there are what is known as the angelic hosts and the immortals that are on God's side. And then there are what is known as fallen angels. Now, they're called fallen angels by theologians. They're not called fallen angels in the Bible. Okay? There's no such thing as a fallen angel in the Bible. It just means one that has definitely turned to the side of Satan. Now, I believe that this is ongoing because angels were created with free will. So I believe that it is an ongoing battle, just much like the warfare that goes on in our earthly realm and the stories we've read over and over about conflict and people changing sides. I believe that goes on also because this is a mirror. This is a mirror of what's going on. And see, we need to understand that Satan and his minions have have masked themselves in this new day and in this new hour to be aliens, extraterrestrials. And they are preaching what is known as a gospel of panspermia, which is basically being inseminated in all of our media to where they are taking credit for our creation and development and and the ability. See, we didn't create civilization. Human beings did not create civilization. We inherited civilization. Civilization was handed from the invisible realm. The invisible realm handed civilization to us. We operate and function the same way they do in heaven, except we are perverted and twisted and under, you see, corruption. 
Okay. All right. The clock is not good to me today. Hallelujah. So we we have to see that there is a war that is going on in the heavenly realm. And this heavenly realm has angelic hosts that are on the side of God and fallen angels that are on the side of the enemy. And that they are constantly in contention and playing chess. Earth is their chessboard. Okay? So as God moves, the enemy moves. Amen? But God is a tremendous chess player. Because he declares the end from the beginning. And he made this plan before the foundation of the world. Amen? So one thing you have to understand about the angelic realm is they were not created like you and I. The angelic realm, according to Psalm 148, was created by the word of his mouth. So God spoke Michael and Michael became. Okay, all right. Listen, we were formed out of the dust of the ground. We were formed with carbon. And God breathed the breath of lives into our nostrils and we became a living soul. That means we're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. Angels are just spirit creations. And angels have E-L at the end of their names, all of them. Whether it is Benevolent angels such as Michael or Gabriel or whether it's Azazel, which is one of the fallen angels. Okay? They have E-L. Why? Because they're a direct creation of God and they're named after their father. Hello. And that's the reason why Hebrew children are mainly named with E-L names. E-L at the end of their name. Daniel. Zerubbabel. You see what I'm saying? The reason why they do that is because they want to give recognition to their God. L. E-L. That's just a name. It's, it's, it's kind of like our God in English. It can, it, it's, it's pretty broad form. But they're reference, referencing Yahweh. Our Elohim, our El Elyon, our El Shaddai. See, they're referencing that. And in fact, when Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you see, that was not their names. Mm. That was not their names. Their names were changed because the king of Babylon knew that their identity was in their name. And if he could change their name, he felt he could change the person. Hello. I don't know if you've ever had a child change their name from your name, but it, it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. But I'm telling you, nothing can change. I said nothing can change. I said nothing can change. And in fact, Hebrew people believe this, the the scholars will tell you this, that your last name isn't even really even counted in God. It's your first name. And that's the name God gave you. And I've heard testimonies of people that went to heaven that they never refer to your last name at all. 
Because your first name is the name God gave you. Your last name is the family that you're born in. Oh, come on now. So just as he said, Michael, and Michael became Michael. And what does Michael mean? Michael means as God. Oh, come on now. You're not getting this. I don't think you're getting this. When he said Noah, and Noah was brought into this earth realm to a wonderful family, a Garner family, but it's really Noah. Hello. He'll be known as Noah forever. He's not going to go up to the courthouse of heaven and go and change his name. No. Karen. When, when God spoke Karen, see, we're a word from God. You're a word from God to this generation. When he spoke Karen, he pure. That's what it means. She reminds me of that all the time. Oh, I'm running out of time. You guys are just pulling it out of me today. Amen? My name. I used to bemoan my name. What is Greg? Greg. Did you have any problem with that, Greg? Greg Burkett back there. Did you have any problem with that? You just thought, you know, why couldn't I be like Michael or, you know, why couldn't I be like something, some great name, you know? And then I thought, well, well, one of the ways we gauge our names is how many famous people have it. And I was out of luck. Gregory Peck. And he wasn't even an actor in my generation. But then when I began to study these things, and I began to know that the first name is the name that God names you. See, you parents think, well, I came up with that name. No, I knew exactly what to name my boys. The Lord, Lord directed me, and the Lord directs that way because you're a word from heaven. Nothing can change that. And so I began to look at Gregory, you know, Gregory. Oh, what a name. You know, I would prefer Jeffrey over Gregory, you know. And then I began to study, you know, in the original language, the Gregori were known as the Watchers. And it means watchful one, and that's exactly what I am. It exactly describes me to a T. I'm a watcher. I not only watch and see, but I watch over. That's the gift that God's given me. And that's the gift that God... See, you need to look at your name. You need to look at your name. Amen? Okay. All right. Hallelujah. Okay. All right. So angels were created with different you know, capabilities based upon the word that was spoken over them. So their names began, they began to function as their names directed because they were created by word, okay? Man was created out of the dust of the ground. The breath of lives was breathed in him, and that word was breathed into. So everything that you were ever supposed to do, your destiny, what you're supposed to do, is already on the inside of you. See, we have this mistaken notion that 
We got to get it. I got to grab it. I got to find it. No, it's in, in here. It's only through Christ that we're able to see it truly. Um, David said it this way in the Psalms. He says, you will light my candle. Now, what do you mean by that? You will illuminate my spirit so that I can see who I truly am. See, when you're in darkness, you don't know who you are. And some people are in darkness here this morning because they're in spiritual darkness because they're away from God. There are others that are in the darkness of ignorance. In the sense that they're unaware of what God has put in them because they just don't know. They haven't been taught or they haven't put themselves in a position to understand and know that God created you for a purpose and a plan as an image of Him. You are supposed to function as He functions so that people can see that there is a God alive and well. You are the image of God on the earth. And it does not matter if you're in a wheelchair, if you're on oxygen, if you're facing things in your body, or you're cradled with addiction, or you're cradled with a bad marriage, you are still an imager of Almighty God. The reason why we believe in the sanctity of life is because we were created in the image and likeness of God. Regardless of our condition, regardless of the fact that there might be deformities, regardless of the fact that there might be something wrong and off. That is not due to God, my friend. That is due to the corruption that is in mankind through sin and death. You've got to stop blaming God for your crooked toes and your misaligned eyebrows. Hello. No, man has been corrupted. You know, when babies are born, especially grandbabies, you look at them and you think they're absolutely perfect. Oh, they're just perfect. But if you get the measure out, you can see that there's something there just ain't right. Eyes aren't necessarily. Come on now. It's the truth. Hello. Might be their ears are too big or too small or something. There's something, always something. Why? Because man is on an extinction road. It is only through divine life that we are restored. First on the inside. Listen, when I got born again, nothing changed. I didn't get, you know, if I had gray hair, I didn't get back, back that beautiful brown hair I used to have. Amen? Amen. I still got a big nose. You know, come on, didn't change. Nothing changed in here, but everything changed in here, inside. And see, that's the thing, is God is bringing about His masterpiece from the inside out. And one day, 
our bodies are going to be changed. And we will have the fully functional body that God intended for mankind to have with all of its biophotons. Now, I, I, I got I to tell you this. Adam and Eve weren't naked in the sense that they were walking around with low-hanging fruit. You know what I'm saying? Come on. I got to get in your head. <clears throat> People think that. Well, they're na- they were naked. They weren't naked. You look up the word in the actual Hebrew, it doesn't mean that at all. It means the fact that they were perfect. They were wise. They were incorrupted. Hello. They had clothing. That's the reason why when they lost it, they wanted to get clothed. They were clothed just like God is clothed. Did you know that? Did you know that the psalmist said that God is clothed with light? Adam and Eve were clothed with that same light. And when they transgressed and went the way of Satan... They lost that clothing and they began to try to find substitutes. That clothing was the presence of God upon their life. Hello. The shame was not in the fact that their stuff was showing. The shame was the fact that they lost what they had. And they lost it through what they were told not to do. That's where the shame came from. Amen? Are you with me? Are you getting anything out of this? See, we need to not worry about all this stuff because I'm telling you, they're making it out that these things are coming in, these UFOs, and they're, you know, we don't know what they are, and now the government's telling us they know what they are, but yet they're not going to tell us everything. And it's really a manipulation technique. But people that are students of the Bible know exactly they know exactly. Aliester Crowley, which was one of the major occultists, you know, in the twentieth century. He gave birth to the Thelemic Society, to all kinds of secret societies. He was a Mason. And he said this. Sometimes you've got to listen to what the enemy says. He says, in ages past, they were called gods. Now they're masking themselves as aliens. And they're doing it for a reason. To fool you. To get you to believe an alternative gospel. Because they're going to come and preach what Jesus preached. What did Jesus preach? He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me. To preach the gospel to the brokenhearted. 
to bind up them that are wounded. So basically he was preaching salvation, bringing back man to his original condition, healing of his body, deliverance from the captives, recovering of sight to the blind. These will preach the same thing. They're already preaching it through technology. Because what will come out in the years ahead will be, oh yeah, well we got this technology from them. Because that's really where the truth comes from. There's absolutely no way that we went through 386 computers to having a phone that has more computing power than people that went to the moon. That isn't because we got some smart men and women. We do have smart men and women, but they're getting information. Because technology is not necessarily meant to bless you. It's meant to enslave you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I got to quit. Otherwise, we'll be here till. Oh, Jesus comes. <clears throat> There's a lot. What I'm trying to teach you and get inside you is that this isn't just a devotional book. This is a software that drives the hardware that's on the inside of you. So it's not something that I just pull out in case of emergency or when I'm feeling I need to get right. This is something I have to live by. This is something I have to continuously bring in to graft the Word of God within me. And I also want to birth within you a, a, a knowledge that this is all you need. There's a lot of people that go to different books. I remember when I was studying some of these things, I went and was going to buy some secular books that were, you know, about demons and about, you know, things of that nature from a secular perspective. And the Lord said, why are you doing that? I said, well, I want to see what that, he says, he says, study my word. He said, if you want to know how demons act, go to the Old Testament and look at the enemies of Israel. And boy, that just unveiled a whole new thing for me. Listen, it's in here. I know you can't believe it, but it's in here. Everything you're facing, it's in here. You just got to seek. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. When I seek God and His Word, praise God, things are added to me. You believe me? So this book is important. Amen? And it says more about the things that are going on than you think. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, we've had a call today for people to get right, for people to come back to God. And we're going to have ministers that are going to be up here at the ready to minister to you, to pray with you. We have altars in which you can do your business with God. Don't walk out the same way you came in. God has good things in store for you. So as we close the service, if you need to go get your kids, go get your kids. They will be up here. They will be ready to pray with you, ready to minister to you, to help you pray. If you need healing in your body. 
Whatever need you have, they're going to be there to help you. So praise the Lord. I look forward to seeing you Wednesday. We're going to do some Galatians on Wednesday, verse by verse. And then praise God. I'm looking forward to times of manifestation. And then we'll get back and we'll do some more imager. I've got some things that are going to blow your mind that God has shown me. I wasn't able to get to them today, but uh, we will get to them. Amen? Is that all right? Hallelujah. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.